Hello and welcome to the Wholesome Living Podcast. I'm your host, Beck Russell, holistic wellness coach, yoga teacher, and the author of Life in the Soul Lane. And I'm here to support you on your journey to wholesome living. There can be many challenges and great confusion on the quest to wholesome living. And it's time that we get back to basics, back to our roots, back on our true path of living a well and happy life. These conversations will debunk all of the myths that we have been sold about what it takes to be well. I take a balanced and wholesome approach when it comes to well-being, knowing that every action, every interaction, every environment and every breath that we take has an impact on our state of well-being. Each week we will explore a piece of the holistic wellness puzzle, speaking about topics that are close to my heart and that I believe are vital to cultivate vitality of body, equanimity of mind and harmony of soul. Myself and special guests will share the insights, knowledge and experience that we have learned to support you to live a well, happy and vibrant life. Join me on the path to wholesome living. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Wholesome Living Podcast. This is Beck, and today's episode is actually going to be an excerpt that I have taken from a workshop that I did all about cultivating a home yoga practice. And there's some really good tips and tricks of ways that we can all cultivate a beautiful, supportive, and consistent home yoga practice that is going to enhance your life, going to enhance your yoga practice, going to help you to cultivate chi or life force energy or prana as we call it in yoga. So I hope you enjoy um, and I'll see you on the other side of this episode. Yeah, cool. All right, so I feel like with any self-care, like we've already just briefly touched on it, with any self-care we have, you know, the best intentions, but sometimes it doesn't always work out, right? So sometimes we have things come up. If we've got children, maybe there's something we need to deal with with them or whatever it might be. So I think it's really important to just not put that pressure on ourselves, like what Jenna and I were just saying, like you feel like it's almost turns into a checklist that you need to do. It's like um, I've got to go for my walk and then I've got to meditate and I've got to do this and do that. And I just feel like although it's really like I'm a very structured person, so I like to have those things in place to make sure that I do uh put aside time for those things but I think sometimes it almost negates what you're trying to do because you yeah it's almost just like it's something else to tick off your list rather than you know just flowing with it because you want to um so where should you start I feel like the first thing is what we just sort of touched on is just to set the intention set the intention that you're going to practice um just making that time making that commitment and just you know um make it uh like achievable so it's like um don't just say to yourself that you're going to practice for like an hour or like 90 minutes every morning if you know it's not achievable because it's just going to make you feel like you have something that you haven't achieved so it just needs to be realistic it needs to be 
fluid. It needs to be able to fit into your lifestyle. Just going to let cows back in. Ah, show up for yourself. So I feel like sometimes it's really easy for us to, you know, we always want to be there for others. We want to show up for others. We want to for others. Hi, Kaz. <laughs> <laughs> Technical difficulty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm back. <laughs> we just, uh, I'll just pop you on mute, Kaz. Cool. Um, so I think uh, this is like one of the main things that I really like to talk about in my work is um, to show up for ourselves first. And I know sometimes it can perhaps feel a little bit, you know, selfish or or something like that but it's that old saying that you know we need to fill our cup first before serving others so just making sure that you're showing up for yourself first and foremost and then you can serve and show up from that space of fullness and I really wanted to point out too that you just need to make sure that you're doing what's best for you. So especially just as an example, like if you're scrolling Instagram and you see somebody in a skimpy bikini that is doing a handstand or something else crazy and then you get into your mind that that is what your yoga practice should look like I just really want to squash that right now and just say that it's really important that you do you and you do what feels good for you um, I know for me I when I first started practicing which was over 10 years ago I think it's quite common to really get caught up in the I was going to say the aesthetics, but I guess it's more, you know, that um, really tangible, um, practical side of yoga. So the physical asana, the poses, which we're going to do a few later on. And then when I had an injury to my neck, um, I don't know, probably about five years ago or so, and that really slowed me down in my practice, stopped me in my tracks a little bit and made me go, a lot more to the subtleties, the subtle side of yoga. So the point I'm trying to make here is that um, don't feel like you have to practice in the way that somebody else does or feel pressured to do X, Y, and Z. It's just really important that you do whatever feels right and comfortable for you because we're all so different. So the next thing I wanted to point out is to create a sacred space. So I find that if you have a dedicated spot, so for me, like we have a really small house, so I have to sort of make my sacred space a little bit mobile. But if you do have maybe a bigger house and you've got a separate room or like a veranda space or something where you can set it up as your dedicated practice space I think that's a really beautiful way so maybe you have like a beautiful altar that you have like a little statue on there or something or crystals or so up here I've got like all of my crystals and essential oils I've got my little salt lamp here and my essential oil diffuser so it's just having those little I guess I feel like they're just little treats for myself but I feel like they make such a difference so if you can find you know whatever that is for you maybe like a little mist spray or something like that just to set the tone set the scene 
And then, yeah, that feels like a sacred place that you can go to and you'll have that energy of yourself and your practice that will sort of just resonate there. And I just think that's a really nice way to, yeah, just to have somewhere to go and you know that that's your space and that's your time. Well, we just touched on this before, but the other thing I wanted to mention was sometimes it's quite nice to complement your home practice with a either in-person class or online class. So you guys all have access to my online classes, which is beautiful. So although I think it's really important for you to have your own practice and that will look however you want it to, I think it's really nice sometimes just to check in with other teachers and even other students if you're going to a regular yoga class and that will help you just to stay fresh and stay motivated. So you'll find if you practice with different people that they are practicing in a different way and so you might be able to pick up Oh, I really liked that sequence or I really liked that pose or I really liked that playlist or that essential oil that they used or whatever it might be. So sometimes it's nice just to have that connection with different people and to just pick up little tidbits that you might be able to then take home with you if it feels resonant for you and you can incorporate that into your practice as well. Be consistent. So I feel like this is this can really work for a lot of things in our world. Um, being consistent really helps you to kind of uh, have a strong foundation and then you can have one building block on top of the other, on top of the other. So that goes with your yoga practice as well. So I think sometimes, I guess it's like with anything that's new, it might feel a little bit foreign, it might feel a little bit unknown, it might feel a little bit uncomfortable. So all you need to do is start. And then if you can just slowly and consistently start to build up over time, then it's not necessarily about being better and it's not necessarily about getting more flexible or more strong, which is a natural byproduct of a consistent yoga practice. But it's just more about having that consistency and having that commitment to yourself like we spoke about right at the start. Remember, you can interrupt me at any time too if you've got any questions or even if you just want to share anything that's coming up for you with your practice as well. Otherwise, I'm just going to be talking the whole time. <laughs> um, I wanted to talk about evolution as well. So as humans in everything in our life, we are always constantly evolving, changing, shifting, growing and that goes to for our yoga practice. So as I mentioned, like I feel like my practice personally speaking has gone through such a journey and such a transition over that time of really dynamic practice, really soft practice, and now I feel like I'm somewhere in between. So it's like I think it's just really important to not get caught up in like putting yourself in a box and saying this is who I am. And you can say this about anything in your life, but this is how I am, this is the way that I do things because you can risk the, of I guess, like a bit of stagnancy there as well. Like if you're not flowing along with what's naturally unfolding, you might sort of, yeah, become a little bit stagnant, maybe a little bit too tied into this version of you rather than just allowing this next version of you to unfold. 
I'm just going to jump forward and just move into yoga props because I've got all my yoga props here and I just wanted to share a few of them with you. Does anyone have any yoga props at home? You can just pop your hand up if you do or if you might have used yoga props before. So there's lots of different props. What I want to say, though, is you actually don't need any props at home. You can just improvise and I'll tell you what you can do in a moment. So I'm just going to tilt the camera a little bit so you can see here. So at the moment, you can see that I'm sitting on my giant meditation cushion here. So if you wanted to just a big square, little plush um, meditation cushion. So that is a beautiful space that you can sort of sit let me just put my face back in the camera. This is a little beautiful space. And this is what I find is that when I'm in this little contained square space, I know that this is my sacred meditation time. So this is one little prop that you can use specifically for meditation. I've also got my blocks here. So you guys would have probably seen these in class before. So this is a soft squishy foam block which you can use I've got my beautiful Jenna knows all about these ones my beautiful cork <laughs> blocks here they're very nice and they're very good for the environment but they're quite hard so you might just have to play around if you did want to get blocks and just see what feels best for you I've got a bit of a strap here so the yoga straps are used they're really good for like hamstring work so if you're finding your hamstrings are tight or they're generally or just tight on any one given day what you can do is you grab the strap or you can use a towel or a rolled up tea towel or something like that or even a shirt whatever you can use just to sort of give you that little bit of extra space and these are really helpful for hamstring movements as well. All right, so here I've got my trusty bolster, which I adore. So you can see here there's so many different types, but my bolster is one of the sort of flatter ones. So you can get the really big fat round ones but I was like no that doesn't look like it's going to be supportive for me so I've got this sort of slimmer version you can also get um like half sized ones it would be half the, the length of that one and if you don't have a bolster at home what you can do is just use some really big cushions or some really big um pillows or whatever you've got laying around the house. I forgot to mention for the blocks, you can use like a big book or some cushions as well. And lastly, this could be the most important one, but you can see here that I'm sitting on my yoga mat. So there's so many different types of yoga mats. If you've ever delved into the world of yoga mats, you probably would have seen that. For me personally, I like a grippy, sticky yoga mat. So that's what I've got here. You can also get, um, they're often really beautiful um, in the patterning that they use. You can get, um, they're more like a felt sort of material. So it just depends on what you like. I just find that they're a little bit 
um, slippery. You can spray water on them to get a little bit more traction, but my personal preference is to have a really sticky yoga mat. I'm just interrupting this podcast to let you know that my book Life in the Soul Lane is officially published and ready for you to read. You can get a copy of the book from any online bookstore or head to my website beckrussell.com forward slash book. Now let's get back to the episode. Any questions about the props? No? All right, let's keep going. I'm just going to check my notes and make sure we've covered everything. So we are going to, at the end, talk about sequencing and then we're going to go through a little bit of a sequence as well. So what I wanted to mention is talk. I wanted to talk about modifying yoga poses and so I try my best when I... And moving through the practice to provide different levels um, because we're all, like I mentioned, so different and we have different injuries, we have different capabilities, we have different ranges of motion in our body. And so it's really important to know that um, if, you know, you need to make sure that you're choosing the right options for you because if you try and go for maybe option number three when today option number one might serve you best, then you have that potential to cause yourself injury and we really don't want that to happen. So that's where you really need to make sure that you honour your body and the body, how we feel, changes from day to day to day and sometimes even from morning to night or even from last hour to this hour Um, and it changes due to what's going on in our day, what emotions we are feeling, all kinds of things. If we're on our period, if we are stressed, if we our mind is racing because we have so many things going on in our world, there's so many different contributing factors and that's why it's really important to honour how you're feeling on any given day so that you can get the most out of your practice and so that you can stay in authenticity as well. We've already talked about props. And then the last thing I want us to talk about before we move into sequencing is With anything in life, everything ebbs and flows. And I have found for me sometimes it feels almost a little bit like you might feel a bit of a lack of inspiration in your practice. Maybe, I don't know, maybe it's just starting to feel a little bit stagnant. You need something to spice it up a little bit. And that's totally fine. So that's the first thing I wanted to say is just to make sure that you're not judging yourself for that, just noticing what's present, notice what comes up for you. Um, And that's totally normal. And sometimes you might feel, (laughs) are you okay there, Jenna? I can see you having a little chuckle there. (laughs) Um, Yeah, some days you might feel like you're dragging yourself to the mat or dragging yourself to the meditation cushion or whatever it might be. And sometimes you might feel really inspired to step onto your mat. So just notice whatever's present for you. And you might even find on those days when you're sort of lacking a little bit of inspiration that even if you just sit on your mat, you might sort of get the same out of it as if you went through a strong vinyasa sequence or whatever it might be. But if you do feel like you need that extra inspiration, that that can be where it's good to go to someone else's class or try a different style or 
even like try a different modality. Like so you might go to a Pilates class or a dance class or something and that just might reignite something within you and then you can come back to your yoga practice with that fresh uh, perspective as well. And so what I might do is just talk through how I like to sequence a class first and then we are actually going to do a bit of a practice following that sequence, if that's okay with everyone. Cool. So in saying that, it does depend on what kind of style of yoga that you're doing. So today we're going to do just sort of like a general all-round practice, but say if we were doing a yin yoga class, you guys have probably done a yin yoga class with me before, you'll notice that that has a different structure and different sequencing as well and different, just totally different um, aspects in every way. But for today, this is just going to be for a general sort of flowy type class as to how to sequence it. So the first thing we need to do is just take a few minutes or even just a few moments of centering. So I like to do a minimum of five minutes at the start. If you're really short for time and say you've only got like 20 minutes to practice or something, just one or two minutes or even five or ten breaths is totally fine. So generally speaking, we will just come into a comfortable seated position. So it might be cross legs or you might even prefer to lay down. Sometimes I give that option in yoga classes. So just coming into a comfortable seated position and you want to make sure the spine is long. So you're just making sure you're up on the sit bones, spine is long and the shoulders and the belly and the jaw are soft the eyes will close down and that's where you can start to drop in. So um, like especially if you're jumping onto your mat at the end of the day, you might have had like a whole course or a whole sequence of crazy things that, or might, might not even be necessarily crazy, but you've had a whole day of like input that's come into your mind and you've interacted with other people and exchanged energy with people. And so it's really, it's really time once you sit down to start to um, shut yourself off energetically from that and start to draw your awareness within. And sometimes it takes a while and sometimes some days are going to be very uh, challenging for you and some days will be quite easy. So if you get up in the morning and do a bit of a practice because you've just come out of a deep restful state, it might be a lot easier as opposed to doing it in the evening if you've had a busy day or whatever it might be. So just keep that in mind. Really important to centre yourself first. And then what we'll do is just bring a little bit of gentle movement into the body. So generally for that, what I'll do to start is um, like maybe a few little um you know, like rotating kind of spinal movements like this. I'm a sucker for some good little side bends. So you would have seen that in a lot of my classes, some little side bends, and little twists. We're going to come to this in a minute. And then so it's really important to warm up through the spine as well. So after that, we'll come over onto hands and knees and do a couple of rounds of cat-cow just to get that heat and energy and flow into the spine and into the body. So we'll do a few rounds of that. And then normally what we'll do after that is come up to standing 
in a way that makes sense and a way that um, doesn't disrupt the flow of the class. So we're going to come up to standing, do a few rounds of salute to the sun, which we're going to do in a few minutes. And then we go through some standing poses. And then generally what I like to do is come back down onto the mat and do, so I like to do sort of in these kinds of classes, I like to come up to standing, do a few somewhat challenging standing pose, maybe a balance pose or two, and then come back down to the mat and do like a mid-range type sequence and then drop it down even more and really start to slow it down, do some more um, like stretching, releasing, is where you can really deeper to the breath as well. I don't tend to do very many inversion poses in my classes for two reasons. The first one is that, um, yeah, just with my neck situation, I don't practice headstands or anything anymore. I used to. <laughs> um, and the second reason is because I feel sometimes when teachers include inversions in their classes, they not everyone in the class might necessarily number one, be comfortable and number two be quite ready to leave them out just um, to keep the flow better for everyone. However, in saying that, I think I hope my internet's not dropping out too much. Just drop me a message in the chat box if it is. That's what happens when you live in the bush. Um, in saying that, I do like to um, include some gentle inversions, which we might do a little bit later on. So some things like legs up the wall and that kind of thing. I wanted to talk quickly about two more things and then we're actually going to do a little bit of a practice together. Counterbalancing poses. So um, when we are moving into our practice, we really want to, one of the main um, desires for our practice is to cultivate balance. And so that means moving our body in all different directions. So that means moving the spine forwards and backwards and side to side. That means um, lots of lateral flexion because I feel like we don't do too much lateral flexion in our daily life. So side bends, forward and backwards, and also twisting as well. So twists are a really good way to sort of almost counter counterbalance anything else that you've done in the class. Um, the only thing I'll say with twists, which isn't applicable to any of us, is that um, you have to be careful with twists when you are pregnant. That's the only thing. Um, and one other thing I wanted to say is that child's pose, which is my favourite pose, is basically a counterbalance for any other pose. So we're going to come into child's pose very shortly. And then to finish our practice, we always finish with Shavasana. So some people really love Shavasana and can fall deeply and quickly into Shavasana, which is our corpse pose at the end. Um, and sometimes 
maybe depending on the day that you've had, it might be a bit of a challenge and sometimes it can be the most challenging (laughs) pose um, to do. So really important, just like I said at the start, when we are centering ourselves at the beginning, we need to make sure that we center ourselves again at the end. And the reason for that primarily is to make sure it's almost like a seal. It's a way that we can seal off the practice. And when we're moving through our practice, we're cultivating what's known as prana or chi, which is life force energy. So that's that energy that you can feel buzzing around in your body. And when you do shavasana at the end, it's a really good way for you to integrate that energy back into your system. It's a nice seal, a nice way to round out the practice. And it just feels amazing. You guys would have all felt that. So that is everything I wanted to chat about in a nutshell. Has anyone got any questions for me or anything they want to share with the group before we start to actually move into a bit of a practice? Nick, I've got a question in regards to yoga in the morning versus yoga at night. I've never considered yoga at night. And what would be um, the benefits of one versus the other or, yeah. Yeah, generally speaking, this is very generally speaking, um, your morning practice would be an invigorating practice. So that would be a lot more dynamic. You could do uh, like a vinyasa. So it's like flow, 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 high intensity. You could do some really um, like fire breath or something like that, which is really invigorating. And then in the evening, that's not such a great idea for most people. So in the evening, you would tend to do you could do like a yin yoga practice, which is such a beautiful thing to do at nighttime, or you could do um, just a slow flow or just a meditation or just yoga nidra. So you've got all of those in your library as well. But in saying that, if you wanted to do something a little bit more dynamic, even if it's like the afternoon or early evening, that's okay as long as you just give yourself like a buffer in between but I wanted to, so I should have put a caveat on all of that in saying that like the number one thing is to make sure that you're like going with whatever like is true for you first without considering, you know, those two things. So you at in your cycle, if that, um, like what's the season? So we're about to head into winter and that's what our next workshop is going to be. So we're about to head into winter. So you have that those two different dynamics. of It's a beautiful time to do lots of yin yoga too because, you, like, winter is such an in... Um, like an introspective time. So, yeah, just taking into all of those all those factors into consideration but yeah just as a broad umbrella it's like invigorating in the morning and cooling and calming in the evening is what I would say so 
So there we have it. These are some of my top tips for how to cultivate and also maintain a beautiful home yoga practice. And of course, you could apply these tools to any practice that you wish to cultivate in your life. I'd love for you to come over to Instagram and share with me your key takeaways from the episode or share what tips you might have for ways that you enhance your practice and just make sure that you've got a beautiful, consistent and supportive practice.